Good morning. I'm not actually going to preach to you. That sounds harsh. Might preach at you. No, I'm not even going to preach. I don't know that I've ever actually preached, but maybe I have. We'll share a message. Um, I'm so glad to see you guys. So many of you I do not know. Welcome. Uh, as, as if this is my house. Welcome. <laughs> it used to be. Uh, um, so... Uh, I'm glad to be here today. Justin and I were talking uh, back in, in the fall about um, vision in the future and evangelism, things like that, and some of the things. And he said, yeah, there's some people here that really are interested in, you know, with going forward and, you know, outreach and that kind of thing. And I said, well, we know some stuff about that. So I could not come during Christmas because that's my Santa season. <laughs> now, I couldn't say that when the kids are in here, you know. So, um, so that's not why I'm wearing red today either. <clears throat> I don't just wear red all the time. But uh, during Christmas, my Santa season, there, there are gigs. So, all right, so just so you know, being Santa is not about, I, I used to be heavier than I am now. But Santa is about the suit and the laugh. So you have to get the laugh. Do you want to learn the Santa laugh? Yeah, sure. I have to teach you the Santa laugh because Santa doesn't go ho, ho, ho. That's just... Don't, stop teaching your kids that. Look, what did Santa say? Ho, ho, ho. Santa never says ho, ho, ho. It's a laugh, you know. <laughs> so you have to put your hands on your tummy, you know, and you have to start down deep. Go ahead. Put your hands on your belly. Start. Ho, 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 ho. come all the way up. Ho, 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 all right, well, let's pray and we'll go home. No, I, uh, it is good to be back in, in this, this building again. It's bigger than I remember, <laughs> like wall to wall. I don't remember. Well, maybe I'm smaller, but still, um, I'm, I'm glad to be back here. Uh, lots of wonderful memories here. I'm glad God has brought you guys in, those of you that I remember and those of you that I don't, even if I knew you then and I don't remember you now. That happens when you get older. Um. So, so let, me, let me give you a little uh, history, okay? Just a little bit of history lesson. Now, I know that uh, Ecclesiastes says, don't say, where are the good old days? Because there's no wisdom in that. And in Jeremiah, God said, he said, you know, when, when the house is filled again, you're, you're not going to be wishing for the good old days. You're going to be building, there's going to be something new. You're not going to be wishing for what was gone. And yet at the same time, we are also told in Scripture to to recount the things that God has done to the next generation and to remember those things and to tell the stories of God's faithfulness. And, and so that's what I want to do today, okay? This is not kind of a harking back to the old days, gee, wasn't that great because the things are great now. Um, but what I want to talk to you today a little bit about is, again, some of the history of the church that now you're, you're a part of so you'll see how we got to where we are. Um, but also, uh, just to hopefully maybe give you a little bit of vision, renewed vision for the future, not just corporately, but also for your personal walk with God, okay? And because outreach, everybody, is part of what we're supposed to be doing as believers. We, we, we live outreach lives. You know, we, uh, it's not just something we do as a church, something we do as, as children and sons of God. So uh, I have water, and so we should make it. I also have videos. So 
Okay, now let me ask you this. What time do you all usually get out? Is it right at noon? <laughs> all right, let me see what I can do about that. I've got a, few video, a couple of videos to show you. Uh, that'll help you understand what we're going to talk about, okay? So let me give you an idea. So actually, um, buddy, I wasn't going to correct you while you were up here because that would have been embarrassing. I thought I'd wait until I could just single you out down there. <laughs> now, uh, Deep Life Fellowship actually started uh, in our house uh, over on Lakeview Drive. Um, so I grew up in Mobile uh, and uh, graduated from high school in 79 and went. To, I grew up at Cottage Hill Baptist Church Wonderful days in the 70s and 80s. Great Pastor Fred Wolf. It was a wonderful time. And it was a great church, and I'm so grateful for, for all of that. Um, my wife and I married in 86. Then a couple of years later, we uh, moved to Fort Worth, where I went to seminary at Southwestern, Theological, Southwestern Baptist Theological Seminary. I have to say it like that. Southwestern Baptist. And so... I went to Southwestern and I uh, got a degree in communications and my master's there. was on staff at a church in Fort Worth. Then I took my first pastorate in 94 at a place called uh, uh, Flower Mound, Texas, uh, just north of the DFW area. Uh, all our kids were born there. We had four children. and uh, So I was there for about 10 years and did wonderful things with, with the body of Christ there. We, it was a wonderful time. During that time, actually... Um, I experienced, I, 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 my heart has always been to see revival, you know, supernatural move of God where people are just overwhelmed by Him. And, and so um, I'd heard there was revival going on in Pensacola. And so this was in 96. So me and my wife and, and a few guys from my church came and went, and I was completely changed at Brownsville Assembly of God and the revival there. And so I was changed forever. It was a wonderful thing. Um, came into more things of the Holy Spirit than I had experienced before. Um, so I began to move forward in that. And then I got a renewed vision from uh, the church that I was pastoring in Texas. And so the Lord led me into different things and some networks of people that really helped feed me and, and pastor me. And uh, we got into some things there, um, uh, some wonderful things about how to be a life-giving church. People would say, oh, what kind of church do you pastor? And what they meant was, is it Baptist? Is it Episcopal? Is it... I, and I didn't know anymore because we weren't, we didn't fit any of those things. And so, um, I, so we decided, I read a book called The Life-Giving Church. So that's what we are. We're a life-giving church because, you know, not every church is life-giving. Now, I'm not going to name any because <laughs> that would not be life-giving. Um, but not, listen, some churches, you can have two churches in the same town that believe the exact same things, that, you know, hold to the same creed of theology. Um, one of them takes nice people and makes them mean. The other one takes mean people and makes them nice. Mad people and makes them happy. The other one takes happy people and makes them mad. So it's not about the theology. It's the degree to which the life of God flows through that church that determines uh, how they're going to affect the city that they're in. And so every church should affect the city that, that it's in. And not every church is supposed to be a megachurch. In fact, megachurches are not really the, the best way to reach a city. The best way to reach a city is when, you know, when the water level of the Holy Spirit's activity arises, all the boats float. And so for all the churches to, to reach their sphere of influence and begin to grow, then it makes it harder to avoid the gospel in that city. Does that make sense? All right. So we began to be a life-giving church and then discovered something that, that became my heart. Uh, it's called Servant Evangelism, a book uh, that I know Margaret has that, we, that I found at the garage sale here. And I gave it to her and said, read this. Anyway, it's, uh, and so all of you need to read it. 
It's called Conspiracy of Kindness. A guy named Steve Shogren. And so we began to do servant evangelism, and Steve and I became friends, and he actually came here and preached back 15 years ago. So, um, so I've been friends with Steve. We started doing servant evangelism. While I was pastoring there, one of the things we did, and we're talking about servant evangelism today, one of the things we did was we, we found that kids in the Metroplex, Dallas-Fort Worth area, didn't, were skateboarding everywhere, and nobody wanted them on their property skateboarding. They didn't have a place, so we built a skate park on a, in our church parking lot and had teenagers come and skate for free on Sundays and Wednesdays, and it was amazing. This is around 1998, 99, 2000. And within about three years, we saw 750 teenagers give their lives to Christ. Um, uh, and we baptized them in a horse trough in the winter. That's a test of your faith. That means it was real. So, um, so anyway, we had a great time. That launched some other things. Anyway, in 2003, my wife and I really began to get a vision for Mobile. Again, we are both from here. So um, we brought our kids, and um, uh, well, of course, <laughs> you know, we weren't going to leave them there. We brought our kids. We figured, well, that's cheaper than paying for them somewhere else. Um, and our youngest, Autumn, our oldest was uh, 10, Samuel, and Sarah, Nathaniel. And then Autumn was a babe in arms. She was like eight or nine months old. And now I have two grandchildren older than that. And so... Our kids grew up in this church. Uh, deep, it was Deeper Life Fellowship because we wanted people to experience a deeper life. So it was Deeper Life Fellowship. And then um, as we grew together and saw amazing things, can't go through, go through everything, but we saw healings and we saw salvations and we saw all kinds of cool stuff happen. And uh, it was wonderful days. Um, and through that, the Lord led us into different things. The first one was... The, the revelation, the realization that the kingdom of God is here and all that that means. Now, some of you may have, have I, probably you have received my first book maybe when you came to visit here. Some of you have read it, some of you have not. If you have not, then go get it, I'll wait. No, I just, okay. Now, some of you, if you haven't, then I encourage you to read it. It's about the intersection of a revival and the, king, the fact that the kingdom of God is here. And we're going to look at that in just a second, Jesus' message, okay? So then, um, uh, Andrew, you don't have to go get it right now. <laughs> so Fred's got it. So Fred carries it with him everywhere he goes. <laughs> so um, uh, that is, it's a great book that will also help you get a little um, uh, history on, the, on what God has done in this house. Um, as we walked into things of the, the realization that the kingdom of God is here, what that meant for us was if, if the kingdom is here, that means that requires a response from us. If, if God's rule and reign is present now, and it's not just something that's out in the future, but if it's actually here, if, if Jesus actually won on the cross, then, then, and he did, then the kingdom is, this was Jesus' message. He said, uh, he's, he's, he had one message that he preached. He had one sermon. He said, um, hey, everybody, guess what? The time was fulfilled. The kingdom of God is here. Now go forth and preach the good news. What was the good news? The kingdom of God is here. God's rule and reign clashed with, with the rule and reign of darkness, and God won. And so Jesus brought the kingdom. What he said was, um, okay, listen, I'm here, and I brought my kingdom with me. 
Then for the next three and a half years, he demonstrated what it looks like when that kingdom comes into collision with darkness. And people got healed, people got raised from the dead, people repented, all kind of good stuff. And then he said to the disciples, okay, now I'm giving you the kingdom. Now you guys take it out there and go further. Now administer the reality of the fact that God rules and reigns and be ambassadors of that. All right. So we began to move in that, and then um, and, and we started with servant evangelism. That was a core value of ours on how to reach this city. Um, and then uh, we began to come into some things about sonship and what it means to be sons and daughters of God. Changed my life, changed a lot of us in here. Um, I've never been the same since then. Uh, and then uh, that led us into understanding grace more and more. I mean, we're... When I was doing a Bible study at Doug and Ramona's house and going through Galatians, I remember reading through the Galatians saying, wait a minute, is, this, is that really what this says? This can't be that good. I must be misunderstanding this. But it was better than I thought. And so we began to understand grace. And then um, we actually took some hits uh, in the city and around the world for making a stand for grace in some ways. And I uh, don't regret a second of it. And... Um, so we stood for grace, and that we decided, okay, let's communicate clearly who we are. We are a pure grace church. In other words, not one ounce of legalism. One drop of cyanide makes a, a, a gallon of pure water poison. And so no legalism, it's just grace. All right, so now let me just tell you a little bit about servant evangelism and why it was important to us, and why it's important to you. Again, not just corporately, regardless of what you do as a church. How do you proclaim the gospel, the good news? And what is the good news? The kingdom of God is here. And the rule and reign, God is, He's already ruled, He's already won. And so His power, His goodness is available to come into your situation and set things right. So when Jesus said... Pray like this, Father, let your kingdom come. This was not some far off in the future at the end of time, come make everything right. He's saying, God, let your kingdom come, let your will be done in this situation on earth, just like your will is done in heaven. Do you believe God's will is done in heaven? Yeah. I mean, there's nobody up there arguing with him, right? God's will is done in heaven. Jesus said, pray like this. Father, let your, your will be done. Let your kingdom come. Wherever you are. You know what a kingdom is? It's wherever a king has authority. It's wherever his rule can be enforced. And so we are called to be the enforcers. To take God's will, healing and joy and peace and, and deliverance and salvation, all those things, and we help enforce that. We bring it to people's lives. And so, um, you know, what's interesting is I work now as a hospice chaplain. So I spent many years pursuing healing in people's lives. And now part of my job is pursuing healing. Not, I'm not talking about healing, you know, the ultimate healing, going home to heaven kind of thing. I mean, it's pursuing healing, getting them prepared for a good death. There's healing needed in their families. There's healing needed in their hearts. See, it's amazing. And so, so I'm still getting to bring that kingdom in to people's lives in that avenue. But, so we bring in the kingdom. So the, the, the best, I believe the only valid way to do that is through serving. All right, open your Bibles, Philippians chapter 2. I mean, I'm just going to go through a couple of things real quick, show you a couple of videos because that's why I came. 
and then, uh, then we'll, we'll be done, okay? So I might have to come back sometime because I don't think I'm going to cover all this. Justin, you listening? <laughs> all right. Philippians 2, look at verse 5. Adopt the same attitude as that of Christ Jesus. Some versions say, let this mind be in you, which was in Christ Jesus. Who, existing in the form of God, did not consider equality with God as something to be exploited. Instead, he emptied himself by assuming the form of a servant, taking on the likeness of humanity. And when he had come as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even to death on a cross. For this reason... Now listen, we're getting into a passage here that a lot of people are familiar with. This gets quoted a lot, okay, starting in verse 9. For this reason God highly exalted him and gave him the name that is above every name, so that at the name of Jesus every knee will bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. All right, so for what reason? And listen... We know one day, and we, we revel in this, especially when somebody cuts us off in traffic. What do we say? Boy, one day every knee's going to bow. <laughs> Yours too, buddy. Every tongue will confess that Jesus is Lord. You know, we use that as, as saying, well, one day God's going to make it all right for us. Um, but it says, for this reason, God has highly exalted him. And it's for this reason that everybody do it. For what reason? Because he emptied himself of every right that he had to exalt himself. And he came in the form of a servant. He humbled himself and served. For that reason, God will exalt him. It's, you know, it's because Jesus was a servant that people are one day going to say he's Lord. All right. So, so Paul says, think the same way. Then he says, verse 12, Therefore, my dear friends, just as you have always obeyed, so now not only in my presence but even more in my absence, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. What does that mean? That means go serve somebody. Even Bob Dylan knew that. Got to serve somebody. All right, so, for it is God who is working in you both to will and to work according to His good purpose. Do everything without grumbling and arguing so that you may be blameless and pure children of God who are faultless in a crooked, perverted generation among whom you shine like stars in the world. How do we shine like stars in the world? We serve. We don't claim our rights. We don't claim our position. We don't claim our power. Let me tell you something. Uh, uh, the church has never benefited from being in a position of power in a culture, politically. That you, that, that's not, I'm telling you, I, I, we've seen it happen. I remember in the 90s when the, the whole, the, the moral revolution, the, the right thing. I mean, I'm, and I'm not saying, I, and most of you know, if you've heard me before, I don't, I don't address things right or left or political like that. I'm just saying, um, the church does, is not the church because it has power in a culture through political means. The church is powerful in a culture because it serves. Uh, and I believe one of the things Paul's saying here is if there's anything you won't do, you're not low enough. And so um, we as the church have got to learn to serve people and not demand our rights, but give up our rights in order to lift somebody else up. That's how they see Jesus in us. That was the mindset that was in Christ. All right? Now, again, I'm talking about personally as well as corporately. And so how do we do that? Well, we find ways to serve. So one of the things that we would do here is we would find ways to meet practical needs that somebody had with no strings attached. So uh, I remember the very first Servant Evangelism Project 
that I ever led in my church, church service, pastor in a flower mound. And I'd read about this in Steve's book, Steve Shogren's book. But we, uh, we took Cokes and Diet Cokes and iced them down, and we took them out to a busy intersection, and when people stopped, we just gave them away. Now, if you're going to do that, don't offer more than Coke and Diet Coke. It's too confusing for people at a red light. <laughs> so just two choices. Don't, add, don't offer them Dr. Pepper and, or, or, you know, we love Dr. Pepper, I know, but don't, don't just, don't confuse them. All right, so, so Coke and Diet, and, and then we, we would, as they stopped, you know, they, people, at first people think you're trying to sell it to know it's free, and we'd have a little card, call a connection card, business card size thing that just says, this is our way of just demonstrating the love of God for you, no strings attached. Now, this is in the middle of a Texas summer, and people were, listen, people are surprised to get something for free. Because they really don't expect that. And let me tell you something. If you're going to do this in your life, you have to do it. You have to lay down any ulterior motive. Servant evangelism is not about saying, hey, you can have this Coke, it's free. Now come to our church. Listen, when, when uh, uh, Philip uh, had heard Jesus and he went to Nathaniel and he said, hey, come see this man. And he said, yeah, well, anything good come out of Nazareth? And Philip said, come and see. Listen. Come and see was a great method of evangelism in the New Testament. That day is over. The come and see church is gone. It's the go and do church now that's going to make a difference in the world. Okay? So listen, invite people to church. Absolutely invite them. Bring them here. Yes. But earn the right to speak into their lives. We can't say, here, this is your, we want to do this for you if you read our literature. People can spot an ulterior motive a mile away. It's got to be absolutely no strings attached. Okay? And so what we tried to do here was come up with things we could do out in the community, try to recognize an unmet need, something that wasn't being done, and then do something to meet that need that people would, would accept it. And sometimes we'd have to convince them no strings attached. We're not going to, we can't take your money. We're not going to, I almost had to get in fights with people in the parking lot about taking our, their money. They would, they would make us take their money. You know, so, I mean, we did things like a dollar car wash. Our youth did a car wash. You know, dollar car wash. People come in, but we gave them a dollar as our youth washed their car. And then we gave them free hot dogs and Cokes and got to talk with them for a while. See, but we just tried to serve them. Now, again, there's so many things. And we did this every month for 10 years, easy. And so there's a lot of things we did. But what you guys still do, some of the things that we, we started doing... When you, give, when you go visit people and go to the Waffle Houses on Christmas Eve. You know, on Christmas Eve, we found there were two places people were that they didn't want to be. Waffle House, <laughs> working. Yeah, I mean, the, the, the diners wanted to be there. Waffle House, working, and in emergency rooms and waiting rooms and hospitals. And so we would go to hospital waiting rooms and pray for people on Christmas Eve. We would go take gifts to the people behind the grill at Waffle House on Christmas Eve just to say, we see you, we know you, and we just want you to know that God loves you. You don't have to do anything. This is just yours. And so we began to do things like that and had lots and lots of fun. Now, here's why. I'm going to give you the quick theological underpinnings for why this works, okay? I have a bunch of scriptures written down, but for the sake of time, uh, we're not going to go through all of those. However, let me, if you're taking notes, or are you going to go back online and watch? And write this down. Mark 4.26. You know what? All of Mark 4. Just take all of Mark chapter 4. 1 Corinthians 3, 1 through 9, and then Romans 2, 4. All right, here's why. Jesus told parables about the kingdom of God. And remember, the kingdom of God is the rule and reign of God forever. He has authority, and his will is enforced 
um, and is able to be enforced, which, news for you, that's everywhere now. There's nowhere you can go on the earth. You can't go to India without the kingdom of God already having been there ahead of you, right? You can't go to your job without the fact of knowing that the kingdom of God is already there. All right, so wherever you go, in fact, you bring the kingdom with you. So you bring the authority to enforce the, the goodness of God in people's lives with you, which is an amazing opportunity. Oh, my, my goodness, what, what a privilege to do that. So Jesus said the kingdom of God is like a seed that's sown to the ground. And a farmer sows a seed, and he waters it, and he tends it, and, and before, lo and behold, he goes to bed, he gets up, and before long, it sprouts, and there's a shoot coming forth, and the farmer himself knows not how. Listen, you can raise, you can farm food without having to understand how it happens biologically. Listen, the kingdom of God is like that seed. It's hidden, but it's working. Listen, kindness, everybody, is what we're talking about here, servant evangelism, is being kind to people. And do you, how many of you know that, that more kindness is needed in our world today, right? I mean, I'm telling you, the world is, is a much less kind place now than it was even when I was pastoring. Coincidence? I don't think so. Um, no. so but, but it's needed now more than ever. So the world needs us to be kind to people. We need to, to just show that. Why? Because it's the kindness of God that leads us to repentance. And so this is grace. We don't make people earn the goodness of God. You can't. Why? We can't make them earn it by coming to church. You'll, you'll earn the good. Listen, we'll pray for you. If you come to church, we'll pray for you. No, I'll pray for you right here in the parking lot. And so you get this free bottle of water or car wash or whatever it is uh, you, because you come to our special or come to our... No, just love them where they are and let God bring them. So there's something called the Engel scale, too, that we, we would refer to. Now, the Engel scale is named after a guy named Engel. The rest of his name is not important So I because I don't know it. But anyway, it's kind of like if you have a scale that goes from zero, well, minus, minus 10 to zero, and then zero to plus 10. Minus 10 would be as far away as somebody could be from Christ. Somebody is antagonistic toward the gospel. They are, they are very full against, they don't, they don't like God at all. That's minus 10. The zero is where they give their life to Jesus, and they come into a saving knowledge of who Christ is. And 10 is where now they are a, fully functioned, fully devoted disciple of Christ, spreading the love of God and living the word of God wherever they go, okay? Now, every step along there, here, here's what we decided to do. We were just going to see if in every encounter we had with people, if we could nudge them just one step closer. Listen, we have to redefine the E word, evangelism. When I was growing up, the E word was heavy and it was scary because it was about learning the four spiritual laws, laws, and going to people and saying, we said, if you were to die tonight, you know, and, and you, you stood before God, and he said, why should I let you into heaven? What would you say? First of all, that's not the first thing I want to hear from God when I get there. So why should I let you in? Um, wrote a book? I don't know. So uh, that's, that anyway, witnessing evangelism was all about personal confrontation. That's what it was about. And it was hard. And i got to tell you something. I don't like that. Because I want people to like me. And nobody liked me when I did that. 
But we would be told, however, it's not your job to get people like you. It's your job just to give them. Because if they go to hell because you didn't tell them about Jesus, the blood is on your hands. Now, and so what that meant for me was anytime I told somebody about Jesus, it was from a selfish motive. I don't want their blood on my hands. It wasn't about love for them. It was about protecting myself. And so this brought me a way to do evangelism that was guilt-free, stress-free, low-risk, high-grace. And so, so and, and, it's, and it's just flipping fun. It's just fun. So, I mean, um, so the seed gets sown. There's another parable Jesus told about the sower and the seed. Now, and this has been preached on so many times. The sower goes forth and he flings seed out there in the earth and some falls on rocky soil, some falls on good soil, some falls on thorny soil. Yeah. And I've heard whole sermons about what soil are you? That's, I, I don't know that that's the point. I, it, because we start talking about the soil so much. Oh, my goodness, what soil, what soil am I sowing into? And I'm not going to share the love of Jesus with them because they're just rocky soil, you know, or they're thorny, or their bird's going to take it. Or it's, the sower's job, back then, agriculture was different. It wasn't just plant and plant, 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 plant. A sower, you know, what the, you know how crops got grown? Somebody would take a bag full of seed and they'd just wander the countryside just flinging seed everywhere. It wasn't, it's not the sower's job to determine what seed, what ground the seed falls on. The sower's job is just to fling the seed. The rest of it's up to God. And so we decided we were going to be seed flingers. Because there's something good about that. There is no shortage of the seed. If the seed is the message of the kingdom, what's the message of the kingdom? He came and he brought his kingdom with him. It's here. It's available. If, the, if that's the message, then, then that means we have good news to tell people. So we would do a number of things. Let me give you a couple of ideas, and we're going to watch one video, okay? And I'll come back sometime. We'll watch some more. Um, so one of the things we would do every year, I was going through some videos last night, and I had like a dozen of these to choose from. But we would periodically go down to Bebo's at um, you know, the airport and, and I-65. It is the geographical center of Mobile. And it was very busy. And what we would do, especially when gas prices were high, not like they are now, um, what we would do is we would go down there, and Bebo's loved for us to do this. And we could do it because it was a mom and pop. It was locally owned and operated. You know, chains, yeah, they wouldn't have the authority to do it. But we would, what we would do is we would buy the price of gasoline down like 25 cents a gallon, 20 cents, 25 cents a gallon for two hours. So what happened, we would go, and then at a certain point, say 11 a.m., they would run a report, and they'd, then they would lower the price of gas on all their pumps, 20 or 25 cents. And then we would go out there and pump gas and wash windshields and, and offer to pray for people when they were saying, now, why are you all doing this? Hey, listen, we're just doing it. You're getting this discount just as we just want to demonstrate to you the fact that God really loves you, and he knows you, and he knows you're here, and he sees you. Is there anything we can pray for you about? And some people would let us do that. You'll see in just a second. I'm going to show that video. We'll do the gas buy-down, Stephanie, okay? Um, we would also, though, we would give out Coke, Diet Coke, and water to people while we pumped their gas and washed their windshields and prayed for them. Now, again, we didn't make them get prayer. We just offered it. And I listen, I've had, I have, we had a number of people who say, well, Mark, I'll go. I'll pump gas, but I ain't praying for nobody. Before you know it, they are sitting in somebody's lap in the front seat <laughs> praying for them. 
because, it, because they saw how easy it was and how open and receptive people were once they'd been shown the kindness and the love of God. And so we would do that. And then at the end of two hours, the gas station would run another report, and we would pay them 25 cents or 20 cents, whatever it was, for every gallon that they sold across the grades. We also, the Cokes and Diet Cokes and water that we gave away, we bought from the gas station. We would buy it from them to take it outside and give away so that they didn't lose those sales. Now, do you see that? What we're doing is we're noticing their need. We want to extend the kindness of God to them so that they would want us to come back. And we must have done a dozen of those there. We would, back when stores you know, didn't open, well, now they started doing it when they opened you know, early on Black Friday, we would take, I brought a video, we're not going to watch it. We would take gallons of hot chocolate to people waiting in line overnight on Black Friday at Best Buy and Toys R Us and others, and we would just dispense hot chocolate and pray for them. But when we, Sometimes we would invite another church to go with us. One time Harvest Church did it with us, and they provided uh, porta-potties on a trailer. It would go down the line. One of them had a sign that said, First John. <laughs> and so... We would sing carols. We would give out hot chocolate to them. Because when you serve somebody with no strings attached, with no ulterior motive, it begs the question from them, why are you doing this? And you have an answer. Because God loves you so much, and I just wanted to be able to tell you that. And now you've earned the right to speak into their life. Guys, listen, can I tell you something? People aren't going to listen to us until we earn the right to speak. All right. I'm going to show you this one video, and then I'm going to let you go, okay, because I don't want to be the long-winded preacher here today. But there's so much to talk about. you see how rich this is, though? All right, so this is part of, you know, and you know what's funny? We were the, I'll say this. I believe we were the first people in Mobile to start doing this. And then it caught on. Churches started doing it. Do you know that now there are large megachurches who do serve day every year, all over the cities, all over the world, and they find ways to do this. They send out teams all over their city one day in the summer to serve people. But it's got to be a lifestyle for us as people um, as well as corporately, okay? So I hope that gives you a little bit of a taste of how much fun it is. Guys, listen, giving out the kingdom of God is fun. And I did not bring this clip, but at one of these, we saw, at gas station at Bebo's, this is, it's not this one, we saw a little girl, a little girl receive her sight in a blind eye prayed for her, and her blind eye was open. It's cool stuff. Because that's what God does when His kingdom, when He comes in, His rule and reign is applied, okay? All right, I want you to see this. This, this is about five minutes, okay? And so if you'll wait with me through this video, then, um, then I'll finish and we'll be done. Father, we thank You for Your power to change lives. We thank You that there are people right now who are thinking about you and loving you more than they would have if they hadn't come through here. So, Father, we pray that you just continue to draw them closer to yourself. Father, draw them to the point where they give you their lives, where they live for you unashamed, unapologetically. Father, we pray for those who came through today that, that have serious issues with, with sin. Father, we pray that your kindness would draw yes. them to repentance. Yes. Or for those who are oppressed, we pray for deliverance. God, for those who are hopeless, we pray for hope. God, now let this seed of the kingdom now bear fruit in every life that was touched here today. Thank you, Father, for using us. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 Thank you, everybody. Isn't that fun? Listen, Paul said, he said, it's, it's not about 
you know, we always wanted to be the ones with evangelism who would get people to that zero point where they got saved on the Ingalls scale. Paul says, not about that. Some plants, some water, God gives the increase. It doesn't matter who plants the seed. It doesn't matter. Some of those people, we just got to water that seed. Some, some, sometimes we got to see somebody cross that line. But it doesn't matter. Let's just be involved in the kingdom growth in the city. As you can see, children are naturals at this. They're really good. Last thing, buddy, come on up. I'll let you dismiss this however you guys normally do that. Um, Jesus told the disciples that I'm giving you now the keys of the kingdom. Do you know who has more keys and more access to an organization than anybody? Janitor. The servants can get in where nobody else can, and they don't have to be seen. They're not trying to be seen. They just go in to serve, but they have more influence, more power than anybody. So guys, listen. Personally, corporately, ask God to give you fresh vision uh, and a fresh heart for the kingdom of God being demonstrated in the world. Okay? Amen. Good. Thank you, buddy. Come on up.